Don't get me wrong. I think as marketers, we do have to be rebels. But in order to rule break, you really have to know what the rules are. Jobs in ad tech. If you're looking for a new role in the industry, there's only one place to go. Free job listing for all recruiters and talent acquisition managers until September. Go to jobsinadtech.com today. Jobs in ad tech. Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of the creative effectiveness platform, Automated Creative. But today we are doing a podcast and the Shiny New Object Podcast is interviews with senior marketing folk about their journey and their vision. And I have the absolute pleasure to be on a call with Tatiana Jones, who is Director of Consumer Marketing at Bausch & Long. Tatiana, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, could you give us a short overview of your career today and what you do now? Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Um, and first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, so Tatiana Jones, like you said, um, I kind of started my career uh, at Johnson & Johnson, spent about seven and a half years there. Um, and really wanted to get into brand management and marketing and really kind of on the path to become a general manager. Um, ended up going back to school uh, to NYU Stern. Um, and I actually did it as a part-time gig. I remember there was a, a full-time student telling me I was taking more classes than him uh, in a given semester. Uh, and it's funny, I was. Um, so I, I essentially ingrained myself into that experience and used it as um, uh, a catalyst to kind of change my career into brand management. Uh, coming out of that, uh, I did a general management rotational program with Mars Wrigley. Um, and it was rotations kind of all over the country, but across um, all sorts of commercial functions from uh, global innovation to being on the account team at Walmart um, to kind of ending my career there on the Dove chocolate brand where um, I did everything, you know, from running the PL um, to doing some innovation and really restaging that brand um, and kind of reinventing uh, who it appealed to and how it appealed to those consumers. Um, during that time, I actually, so this was actually during COVID, um, I wanted to kind of you know, so got, got an itch to go into a new category, wanted to not only make consumers' lives kind of happier, but also healthier. Uh, so I ended up transitioning to GSK Consumer Healthcare. They're now known as Halion. Um, I was on a brand called Theraflu, where um, I did uh, essentially built their innovation portfolio uh, from scratch. When I got there, there was really, really very little going on. And with that, we restaged that brand to to back to growth, first of all, and then um, to appeal with younger millennial consumers. Um, after about a year or so, I actually went into, um, my first role was global in nature. Um, I went into the US market where this was the biggest market for the brand. Um, I led a team of marketers, ran the PL. Um, and then essentially commercialized all of the innovation that I had come up with in the prior role. Um, 
I've kind of been feeling like I've been in a pivotal point of my career for the last few years. Um, so I wanted to kind of go and, you know, use all of my skills that I, that I got during the rotational program and, and the last few years. Uh, I, I felt like my learning was really accelerating with a strong base. Um, I wanted to potentially go into a smaller business where I got to kind of build something from scratch. So um, I got a lot of actually really, you know, interviews that I thought uh, that, that I thought thought I was probably underqualified for. There were some CMO roles uh, for mid-sized startups, um, but the feedback that I got fairly consistently was. You know, we we love your experience, we love your passion, and we love your personality. But we really need to see um, a little bit more experience in, in in growing consumer demand from scratch. So essentially, from zero to uh, it being a hundred million dollar brand. And so that kind of gave me my task, and I knew I knew what I had to do. I actually didn't care which industry um, I, I should go into next as long as I was helping consumers in some way. Um, and so that actually brought me to my current role um, uh, where I run consumer marketing uh, for Bosch and Lum on the pharmaceutical side of business. I'm actually the first and only consumer marketing in pharma here. Um, and we have some really exciting things that are coming that will actually allow me to essentially grow that consumer demand from scratch and kind of prove myself out as that, um, uh, you know, person that's able to grow existing brands, but then also brand build from scratch. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. So across that really broad range of experiences what are the things that you've heard that you would consider bad recommendations in the industry there's actually there's actually two that come to mind one is kind of more high level strategic and one is tactical so i'll start with the strategic one the first um thing that you know as you, the first thing you learn especially in cpg um, as you begin your marketing career is that you're a general manager. So you're not, you're kind of, you know, a general manager that's responsible for also marketing. And we do all of our work through agencies. Um, and it's really easy to forget, you know, you're in that intersection of driving feasibility, driving viability of your business, and then driving desirability. It's very easy to forget that actually our first and foremost job is to drive desirability. And so what does that mean, right? Uh, driving desirability, desirability to me is really around making sure that you know the consumer kind of inside and out. There needs to be a deep consumer insight in everything we do. Um, and you see, you know, uh, it's, it's easier said than done because I've been with really great organizations that don't necessarily do this. There's a lot of conversations around, well, our lines can make this product. So for innovation, for example, we should move forward with this. And then you build backwards you know, that consumer desirability story and and kind of test, does, does the consumer really want this? Um, and I've also seen it the other way around as well, where, okay, this innovation that we're trying to do is not margin accretive, the viability is not there. Um, 
but you're entering a new business opportunity that will drive your top line in kind of a significant way. So that's kind of also a silly, silly thing to dismiss just based on, um, you know, it not being margin of creative. Um, so I think, especially as I coach younger marketers um, in their career, um, the one thing that I like to remind them is you, we are a desirability led function. Yes. We need to make sure that we're considering all of these other things, and we are absolutely stewards of the business. However, our main job is really just to be so focused on what that desirability is, what the market is. It is it is consumer driven, and all of these other things um, are there kind of in support of consumer. Um, so it's really, it really means, you know, I, I can't stress this enough. It really means you have to be as a, as a good marketer, you have to be consumer obsessed. You have to understand, you know, what is that deep human insight and why does your consumer behave a certain way? And not just the interactions with your product, but what is that consumer's hobby? What are, what do they have for breakfast? It's all relevant. And I think what makes me a good marketer is actually, you know, my genuine interest um, in people and understanding, you know, beyond your job or beyond you know, the, the, the task at hand, who are you as a human being? So I think net net, I, my, my best marketing advice is be super crystal clear on kind of what your um, reason for being is, and be completely obsessed with with kind of that consumer that you're you're servicing or your business is servicing, um, and essentially, you know, um, make sure that you're um, you're kind of um, not not getting distracted by some of these other things that also have to work. Um, so that's kind of like the big strategic, the, the slightly less strategic and more tactical. Um, I think I mentioned we work with a lot of agencies, uh, to bring a lot of our strategies and tactics to life. Um, it, you know, it's a, it's around kind of the agency tactical recommendations. Um, a lot of times the agencies will bring me a tactic you know, a, shi a shiny new object, if you will. And it's the hot new platform that appeals to, um, you know, this this kind of smaller target audience or potentially even a larger tar target audience that doesn't necessarily overlap with my, with what I'm trying to do with the brand. Um, so, so I think TikTok is a good example, although it's not new or shiny anymore, um, but our agencies will re recommend it quite a bit. And if the conversation with the agency is something along the lines of, um, well, hey, Tatiana, you know, besides, we know it doesn't appeal to your current consumer because your consumer is, let's say, 50 or older. Um, but, you know, you besides the conversion driving for, for this short term for this year, next year um, goal, you also told us you want to brand build and, you know, 10, 20 years, this will be your future consumer. Oh, and by the way, consumers form, um, their kind of brand repertoires or two to three go-to brands in their teenage years. So this is actually perfect because again, consumers will think of you, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. If that's the answer, then, yeah, my, my answer is let's do TikTok. Absolutely. However, 
I think where the bad recommendation comes in is um, if, let's say, I'm in a pharmaceutical business and my patent expires in 20, you know, 10 to 20 years, and my consumer is that older consumer, you know, 50 or 60 years old, and I get uh, a tactical recommendation of doing something like TikTok, where um, majority of, of the target audience is um, on the younger side, um, then, you know, that's, that's a little bit off strategy. And I would essentially push back on that and, and kind of tell my agency partners to come back with either a better recommendation or really kind of think, think through, um, again, it's going back to that consumer, um, who is, who is our true consumer now and, and in the future. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So we're going to talk now about your shiny new object, which is simplicity doing the common uncommonly well, which sounds like a beautiful written line. I want to know more. Tell me, why is simplicity your shiny new object? I think um, in today's world, um, you know, simplicity is the shiny new object because literally in every single job that I've been at, your issue is not not having enough information or not not having enough things to do. Um, there's new platforms or new technologies that are happening um, and launching every single day. Um, as I've been in these new roles, you know, I've been in quite a f- quite a few roles in in the 15 years uh, of my experience. Um, I think the biggest challenge has been literally looking through thousands and thousands of pages of research to try to figure out, hey, what is that main thing? Um, what is what does my consumer care about? And coming up with a brand strategy there. Um, so I think in the modern world, simplicity is really like taking all of that information, taking a myriad of different things that you can do and just breaking them down to their basics is, is the shiny new object. And that is a skill. And I've seen um, really great leaders do that well. And I've seen, um, you know, very senior people not, not do that well and kind of be, <laughs> I guess, an analogy, a good analogy of a bad business leader would be kind of like a floating plastic bag that, you know, changes its direction with the headwinds. Um, you need to be crystal, crystal clear um, on kind of what, you know, what your strat, what your brand strategy is, what your brand is, why do you exist? Who is your consumer? Um, how are you different from the competition? Um, we're all kind of so desperate to throw out that playbook. Um, when I think in today's world, it's actually revisiting the playbook is, is the thing that we should be doing. Um, and don't get me wrong. I think as marketers, we do have to be rebels, and that is my true personality. I, I love to rule bl- rule break um, within eth- ethical bounds, of course. Um, 
But in order to rule break, you really have to know what the rules are. You need to know the base sets. Um, so, I, and I've, I, I've mentioned I've been a part of a few different brand restages, and it's really always kind of where do you start when you're trying to create um, a strategy for the brand um, that's not necessarily doing well? I've been a part of a few different brands, brand restages. And what you really have to kind of, when you're coming in, almost putting your consulting hat on, um, how do you get to that simplicity? You, you look at the business and if the biggest, either the biggest skews within your brand or the biggest brands within a, a general business are not growing, that is a big, big red flag because your core business generally is essentially what drives the rest, uh, the rest of the business, the rest of the smaller brands that may not necessarily be the focused brands. Um, so you really have to make sure that some of, you know, the, the business driving um, parts of your business, your core, so to speak, um, is growing and is growing in a healthy way. It's not just growing due to price increases. It's it's really growing through, um, you know, that consumer demand that we've been talking about. So then, so that's kind of like the big strategic piece. And then when you get down to the basics of, okay, so for what, what does that mean for a brand? Um, how do you kind of create a strategy that's a winning strategy that makes sure that your bigger brands do grow and drive the organization? Um, I kind of think of it in, in three, in three different pillars. Um, and by the way, if your strategy has more than, more than three, um, I kind of challenge you to be a little bit more focused, you know, um, you can't, it's so easy to say yes to everything. We all can say yes to everything, but I think real strategy comes to, comes from really understanding what your core competencies are and what, what aren't. So going back to the three, um, kind of pillars of what it takes to, to do the, the common uncommonly well, first and foremost, for any brand, you know, we, we are so scared to kind of cannibalize our own business. But if you look at the best CPG brands, they are consistently reinventing themselves. Um, and not even CPG brands, the best brands, they're consistently reinventing themselves. And you can do so through your communication strategy. You can also do so through um, you know, some things, some innovation that isn't necessarily so incremental to your business. Um, when I was in chocolate, for example, um, our incrementality for any given new flavor was about 30%. So it wasn't this major, major thing, but we consistently delivered new flavors and new news, both with retailers and with consumers. Um, you have to also look at your, your brand. Does your visual brand language appeal to the current target audience and to the audience that you're trying to appeal to? Um, they're not always the same. Um, I, I am very much against kind of changing packaging or changing the visual brand language um, uh, every year. I don't think it should be done often. Um, but as part of every single brand restage that I've been at, um, uh, we've actually determined, uh, through, um, a variety of, a series of testing that it was really necessary to, to kind of refresh and, and make sure that we're appealing to really younger and more modern consumers. 
Um, so really, you only do that if you if you can prove uh, growth and if you can prove that uh, the consumer it, it would actually you know drive a better connection with your consumer. But again, it's that that first pillar is all about reinventing yourself because if you don't and if you think some of these things will be cannibalistic to your business, someone else will do it for you, and it will it, it will not be your company; it'll be a competitor. Um, so that's pillar one. Um, pillar two, I would say, is really just making sure, um, you know, once you've got your core business growing and healthy, um, you, I, I've seen, again, uh, most of my experience come from CPG. Um, the really good businesses have really a strong innovation pipeline that's three to five years out. Um, and it's both incremental innovation um, to maybe a little bit more extending into new areas, potentially growing the consumer base. Um, and then maybe even with a touch of a little bit less, but a touch of breakthrough innovation. So really having a strong innovation pipeline, um, a lot of times with innovation, right? Like, or it, it goes back to that core competency question. You will not necessarily, um, be, growing your profitability because a lot of times you have to go out to um, different co-manufacturing partners. So that will generally reduce your profitability. Um, so again, it's it's really about growing your top line and expanding um, your brand to kind of be a mass consumer brand um, because penetration is a leaky bucket. So if you don't do the first pillar and if you don't appeal with consumers with your with innovation, um, you're going to lose your current consumers and you're not going to gain the consumers that you've already lost. So we kind of have to renew them consistently through um, th through all of these efforts. And, and the third, I would say, um, and last is really around making sure that you understand who your key kind of gatekeepers are and, and stakeholders are. Um, again, I've kind of been in, you know, on a lot of CPG brands and people kind of forget that, um, how big, uh, and, and how important of a role retailers play. Um, they, we actually in, in CPG, as everyone knows, we actually call them customers. Um, consumers are kind of like your end users. Shoppers are the ones that shop the shelves. Um, I guess in the in the omni omni channel world, it could be someone that's shopping online. Um, but it's really you know it's 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 so complex um, in in probably a variety of different industries where it's not you know it's not just a direct sale to your end consumer. So um, we actually did this really well with Dove Chocolate. Um, we were kind of a smaller brand. We were about a three fifty million dollar brand um, in retail in retail sales. Um, but but as a smaller brand, we were on a four way with Walmart, um, which is you know the biggest retailer in the world. And the way that we did it was by really partnering with them, um, making sure that they are aware of what our strategy is making sure that they're involved um, and not just at the at the tail end of it, but in all of our innovation efforts. In some cases, we actually would partner with them, you know, inside to fruition 
um, involving them, incorporating their feedback along the way, along testing um, to really understand, you know, they know their shopper best to really understand how between the two of us can we really engage with that shopper and that consumer. Um, so, so I think the, the, the last, the last, I guess, advice that I have for everyone is really make sure you know who that stakeholder is and make sure you're leaning in and building them um, into the process versus just, you know, at the tail end of it, just, just selling it to them. Um, so I think, I think if we stick to those three, doing the common uncommonly well, will kind of, you know, be- become simple and easy, um, especially, you know, for, for the brands that kind of need, need, need a little bit of restaging to do like the ones that I've been on. Fantastic. Well, look, there's been so many great insights there and it's so refreshing to hear you talk with such conviction and, and passion about this and have given me new ways to think about simplicity. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, and I guess if the listeners want to reach out, they can connect with you on LinkedIn. Yes, absolutely. Um, please uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I love having conversations. I, I don't always need to be agreed with. Um, I love pretty much anything, any anything marketing related. Um, the only thing I ask is that um, you, when you send me a message, just mention that um, you you found me through the podcast. That's that will help me idea. just filter like through it. the messages. <laughs> Fantastic. Tatiana, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Tom. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Hi, just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything. I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.